Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Rumor and Innuendo, everybody. I'm House of Wrestling's Nick Hausman. And I'm Boxing Day enthusiast Robert Karpolis. It is. It's the day after Christmas, everybody. And we are here with a stocking filled with pro wrestling news. We're going to shove it in your chimney. And we're going to have a great time talking all things pro wrestling here today. That sounded highly aggressive for the start of the show. I didn't mean for it to come across that that aggressive, Robert. But yay, It sounds like are. the kind of thing Vince would need an NDA for. And oh. I feel like that's a good... You know, topic of the day, it seems. Uh, but there's a lot of a lot of stuff for us to get to here in your post Christmas uh, hangover. All right, we will get to the NDA talk here in just a little bit, of which there is quite a bit. Um, but uh, before we get to all the news here of the day, uh, it is the 26th of December. It's a very uh, melancholy, sad uh, anniversary. Uh, today is the four year anniversary of the passing of Brody Lee, a passing that obviously. Uh, affected the entire pro wrestling uh, world uh, and just, uh, you know, so many friends and family of his as well. Um, before we move on to the news here, Robert, I know that you were uh, friendly with Brody, and I just didn't know if you wanted to give any thoughts here about the man uh, before we roll into anything here today. Yeah, so uh, he passed away in, in 2020 uh, on, on this on this day, and, and Brody and I were, were friends over the years. Uh, we, we first met through Twitter while he was in WWE. He was you know, one of the guys who followed me, and we would DM back and forth, and we, we built a really nice uh, rapport and relationship, and I just wanted to share just a quick anecdote story uh, of what an awesome guy he was. There was a WWE house show 
at the arena that I was I was working at, uh, the, the Florida Panthers arena. Brody, huge hockey fan. We would talk about hockey. I would pretend to care about uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, and, and he would humor me that the Florida Panthers were a hockey team. And we, we peeled off. We were walking around the arena for a while, and I gave him a tour of the locker room. And he lit up like a kid at Christmas, uh, being alone in this locker room. We had a, a player, Yarmir Yager, who's a, you know an all-timer. And his locker was there. And he's like, do you mind if I sit and take a picture? And I'm like, dude, whatever you want to do. He, he sat. I got a picture of him sitting in Yager's locker. Uh, we were talking about our kids and family and being dads. And it's it's a memory that always comes up on a day like today. So I just kind of wanted to share that. Uh, an amazing, talented wrestler, an even better, more sincere, incredible guy. Uh, who is is really missed and a, a just a testament to the best of pro wrestling. That really is, uh, you know, you, you see these guys and they are just these larger than life, you know, action figures outside of the box. And they just don't they don't always feel like real people. But I love those moments when you take these guys who have literally been around the world dozens of times. They've seen and done it all. And you can find that one thing that just kind of resonates with them and takes them into that kind of special space. And you get to see that in their eyes and their face. I love when you get to do that stuff with with especially like really notable pro wrestlers. It's just so cool, you know? Oh, yeah. It's it's the best. It humanizes them. I also love when we were walking, one of the security guys saw me in my suit walking with Brody in his uh, Luke Harper attire, which can look <laughs> a little jarring. And I had to assure them like, no, no, we're good. The the very large man with the unkempt beard uh, in the in the white. Uh, I don't think you can call him a wife beater in 2023. I don't know tank what the top. proper tank Just call top. A tank top undershirt. That's fine. A tank top undershirt. Uh, I promise you, this is not a vagrant who's here to come murder us all. Uh, he is he is one of the performers at the show. Even better when they are the, your friends that look like they might be miscreant murderers. And you're like, no, this is a nice guy. He's back. He's having a childhood moment here right now, guys. Let's all breathe it in together. It's so wonderful. I love pro wrestling. Um, well, Which is a great segue to our next topic. <laughs> no, no kidding. Let's talk about the wonders of professional wrestling. Rest in peace, Brody. Seeing our best is uh, fans, friends, and family here today. All right. Um, we do have a lot to get to here today. Chris Jericho. He decided he wanted to talk about NDAs, so we'll talk about NDAs here in a little bit. Uh, AEW, exe- uh, AEW had a few executives leave the company. Uh, Cody Rhodes, his WWE contract both is and is not signed. Cody's, he is Schrodinger's Cody's contract. I think that came out correctly. Uh, WWE and AJPW have fostered a new working relationship, and New Japan Pro Wrestling has a new president. And I think you know who it is. We'll close the show talking about that. If, of course, we don't have time for. Billy Corgan in the NWA. Um, all right. So uh, to kick things off here today, um, CM Punk, a steel Robert. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this or not, but there was this incident after AEW all out 2022, where everybody got into a big fight backstage after CM Punk had said some very derogatory things about Cole Cabana, the young bucks. Did you, did you hear about all of this? Did you know what this happened? I remember there being a reporter who was stirring shit up because it's mm. what he's known for uh, and single-handedly has brought down a major wrestling company. I don't know if I'd give myself that much credit. No, no, you I know. promise they really are a major wrestling company. I, no, no, I said I don't know if I'd give myself that much credit. Uh, look. Oh, that's yeah, right. You're, ju- you're just a fan in the I eyes read- of uh, the AEW right. World Heavyweight Champion. <laughs> yes, just a fan who's leaking their thoughts and what they hope things are like. Um Look, I, I want to be very clear that 
I I didn't first of all didn't do anything in that particular presser. I didn't even have a chance to ask a question. Just we're re- relitigating this momentarily. But there was this piece that Jesse Collings did for Voice of Wrestling. I don't know if anybody's read this or not. It got a lot of uh, very controversial responses to it. It was about how CM Punk is like responsible for destroying the allure of AEW at that particular press conference because it was the it was the time where the levy broke and people started to see the company beyond just what had been presented on TV, right? Letting that backstage drama filter into uh, what was going on TV. Guys, it was a matter of time. It was just a matter of whether it happened with Punk at that press conference or drip, drip, drip a little bit further out. If you'd have listened to my questions leading into that press conference, which is the reason Punk probably did freak out the way he did, it was about all these really negative stories that were being leaked out online about Punk, about Cabana, about the, the culture. I mean, it was becoming violent. Uh, it was becoming, I shouldn't say violent, it was becoming very tense in the ring, out of the ring. It was a matter of time before it broke. So as much as everybody wants to point the finger at me for talking about a story that was the biggest story in wrestling that everybody was scared to talk about, guys, it was it was not me. I assure you of that. But this brawl did happen, by all accounts, even if you're not supposed to talk about it. And we know you're not supposed to talk about it because according to Stephen P. New, the attorney for CM Punk and Ace Steel, um, he, uh, Punk and Ace Steel signed NDAs for life following this brawl. Um, everybody else involved in the brawl that was in the room had to sign NDAs. And Lucy, the wife of Ace Steel, who was in the room where the brawl took place, is the only one who didn't sign an NDA. And eventually she may be able to tell her story. So I'll kick it to you first, Robert. It's the lawyer in chief of Rumor and Innuendo. Is this normal to have NDAs in perpetuity like this? And what do you make of Lucy's wife not signing the NDA? So typically when I've done NDAs for for clients in the past, there's usually a a term limit, a time limit set on there. Typically an NDA is going to run one to five years. In an instance like this, this NDA was put in place to avoid litigation on both sides. There has been no lawsuit that has been filed based on the, the assault allegations that are out there. There were no arrests. Yes, it it eventually led to Punk leaving the company. Punk was not fired after this incident. Ace Steel is the only person who wound up getting let go. So it feels like, but then brought tried- back, but then brought back very very quickly and got yes. back pay for for his termination for whatever that's worth. Then brought back, but it feels like they just wanted to put a lid on this issue so that the story doesn't come out. Lucy is the one person who did not sign an NDA, according to Stephen Pinu, our favorite wrestling uh, attorney. All due respect to Michael Dawkins, uh, but she was not an employee of AEW. She was not an independent contractor. She was not an EVP. There was no real incentive necessarily for her to sign it unless there was a fear on her part that she was going to be sued for her actions. So it sounds mm-hmm. as though she was probably not physically involved in anything. Again, these are rumor and innuendo on our part here uh, that she could have just been a witness and said, I am not signing this. I'm preserving my right as a citizen to talk about this, defend myself if this ever comes out, mm-hmm. and potentially pursue my own legal action if that's ever necessary. So mm-hmm. someday she may be able to tell her story. Most likely, Punk and Ace Steel and, and the Bucks and Kenny, this will theoretically never see the light of day. But as as firm as NDAs are, they are not entirely permanent. And if for whatever reason the company either lets them out or the company goes away and nobody wants to enforce it, we may wind up hearing the story someday. Lucy seems like the only person, Nick, the only person who can tell us what happened during there. 
is then I think that's the end of the story, right? Now, now I now as far as NDAs go, uh, I have a question. I was under the belief that you know once the person who is on the issuing end of an NDA, uh, like confirms the existence of that NDA or speaks on an NDA, that an NDA then becomes null and void. Is that a worry here? You think that that uh, anybody could acknowledge the existence of these NDAs and possibly, uh, you know, make them no longer valid NDAs? No. Um, in theory, you're not supposed to say that you're under it. You can say, look, I can't talk about this. There's certain severability clauses in them. That's a whole separate legal conversation. But no, simply saying that an NDA exists or I can't talk about something because I've signed an NDA, it's a pretty broad statement. Okay. You're not confirming or, or commenting on a particular issue. Okay, got it. I just want to make sure I wasn't doing my, uh, my wrong legal uh, diligence here. All right, so anyway... Jericho, who Chris Jericho, who has nothing to do with this situation as of this moment. No one is talking about Chris Jericho in this moment. Chris Jericho decides to slide into this conversation here and enter the chat by noting on X uh, in response to Stephen P. News comment on wrestling with Rogers saying, I didn't sign one. Now, Stephen P. New sees Chris's response. He responds to Chris. He says, it's in your employee handbook unless you have a special one. We can figure it out. Now, Jericho proceeds to release the following lengthy statement at around 4 o'clock in the morning on Christmas Day. Draw your own conclusions about that particular timing. I mean, the, the timing, 4 a.m. on Christmas Day. That's an interesting time to be tweeting something so aggressive. Yes? It's a little suspect at best. Yes. It's, it's also, correct me if I'm wrong, but he didn't have to proffer an opinion on this matter. He no. was not tagged. He was not brought in saying, you know, Jericho was there. And he just decided to volunteer and interject himself into this saying, I saw it all and I didn't sign an NDA and I can tell my story. And when you think discretion and silence, you think Chris Jericho. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because Chris can't, you know, because if people are making a bunch of noise and creating attention that he's not a part of, I feel like Chris feels like he needs to get in on it. But I think there's other things going on here as well, which we'll get to on the other side of this statement. So Chris Jericho responds to Stephen P. New by saying, hey, Stephen P. New, I don't adhere to an employee handbook and never and have never had one in four years of working for AEW. I've also never signed an NDA in my life ever, so stop trying to be a bully and making egotistical fantasy brags for your clients and start doing some research before you make blanket statements about your buddies because I saw everything that night, including how Lucy and her husband and best buddy acted and what really went down. And since I was in the room and watching her and everybody else the whole time, I know exactly what really happened. And considering you weren't there and I was, maybe you should shut your mark ass up because what really went down was disgusting. To which our our lawyer uh, for Sia Pugside, Stephen P. New says, thank you, Chris. We will just attach this tweet as Exhibit A, Merry Christmas. Now, of course, I entered the chat, but we'll hold off on that in just a second. Let's break down Chris's comment and Steven's response here. Now, Chris says he's never had an employee handbook in four years of, of working for AEW. Now, uh, my wife's family is in the human relations industry. That is their their chosen occupation, very high levels. I'm told that it is it would be reckless 
to not have some kind of employee handbook that dictates proper behavior within the company. But how do you feel about this and, and, and other statements Chris made? Because there is another point I want to make, but I just want to start with the handbook part because that's where Steve, I think that's what Steven's alluding to with his response, but you could tell me. Sure. So the first piece is I've never seen an AEW contract. I know in WWE, they're identified as independent contractors. And even if you are an independent contractor in any walk of life, you can be made to adhere to certain guidelines and principles. You, yes. if you, in, in my life professionally, when we have signed contractors, third parties, we have told them here is our employee code of conduct or our vendor code of conduct. We expect you to adhere to, to these terms in order for you to continue to be employed. I would imagine there is some form of an employee handbook. When you, when you look at the structure of AEW and you know that their general counsel at the time was also the general counsel of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Again, working in sports, you know you need to have these sorts of codes of conduct, employee handbooks. There must be something somewhere within a contract saying you are to follow X, Y, and Z. So whether Jericho was unaware that this exists, that there has never been a, a staff company meeting with HR or someone saying here are the expectations, that would genuinely surprise me if that didn't exist. I think that Chris is – being defensive, he's lashing out. I don't think he necessarily means what he says when it's there. I've never followed an employee handbook. I, I, you know, whatever I do what I want. Now, as far as the defensiveness goes, I, I really think that Chris, the Bucks, whoever else you want to lump into the Bucks camp, I really think they thought they got the better of CM Punk. I really think they thought that they were going to grind this guy down make him hate where he worked, make him hate pro wrestling, and he would leave and they would whatever win, right? Anything that presents Punk in any kind of decent light is uh, something that they do not like. And I, I think that is why Chris is so vociferously pushing back here is because he doesn't like the idea of, CM Punk and Ace Steel having an advocate like Stephen P. New out there that could go out and call bar balls and strikes. And that is what is getting underneath Chris's skin and, and, and having him act out in such reckless ways, because I say reckless because now we already went over how Lucy Ace's wife can say whatever she wants. Cause she didn't sign an NDA. That seems to be known. Why would you then go on a bender and write about how, you watched her personally do disgusting, terrible things in this room. That, to me, comes across as, and I don't want to use legal terms, but it comes across as an attack, a negative attack on somebody that could respond to a major public figure speaking in a way that casts them in a horrible light. Am I, am I drawing any unfair conclusions when I say something like that? Let's take this one step larger. You are Chris Jericho, lo locker room leader. Uh, I think MJF this week just held Jericho out as one of the locker room leaders. You are someone who is a trusted confidant of Tony Khan. You are fully invested in the success of AEW. Why on earth would you want to remind people about this incident that was such a, a blight on your company? It's not like anybody else is allowed to talk about it. So Kenny's not talking about it. Bucks aren't talking about it. Puncture as hell isn't talking about it. You don't need to remind people of this story at a point in time where AEW is trying everything they can to regain goodwill and curry favor. 
We've talked about the Warner Discovery issues. We've talked about ratings issues. We've talked about backstage morale issues. Nothing good comes from reminding people of Brawl Out, especially saying, hey, I was there. I know the real story, and I'm going to keep needling the one person who can come out and spill all of this stuff that the legal teams have worked so hard to keep quiet. No one else can talk except for Lucy. So Chris is going to take shots at her and say, what do you want to do? You want to say something? You want to say something? You want to say something? And if she does say something, guess what, guys? It's not going to end well for all elite wrestling. Just keep it quiet. Yeah, I I would imagine, because again, Brian Danielson's on the discipline committee here and he's handing out fines. I don't know what that one looks like towards Chris's direction today, because this is this is a thousand percent not the direction I'm sure Tony and the company. I mean, unless they're all like sociopathic and just love this this constant refrain of let's do everything at all costs to try to disparage CM Punk. But I don't get that vibe. I would have to think this is the opposite of what the company wants going on right now. Here's what's even worse. You have a huge dynamite on Wednesday. It is a stacked show. You have a pay-per-view coming up this weekend and following your pay-per-view is a press conference. And we've seen in the past, those press conferences can go a little wonky. And now Chris Jericho has just chummed the water. Time out, time out, Robert. You're, you're missing a beat. You're one step off. There's a media call on Thursday going into the world's end. Oh, geez. In 48 hours, 48 hours. And, and spoiler alert, I I plan on doing this show on time on Thursday. The, the media call starts at the time this show starts. So we will do a half hour. That call is an hour long. I'm going to have the live notes for the call up here while we're doing the show. So if anything gets said, we will discuss it here on the show. And then as soon as the show is over, I'm going to put my hand up and I will join that call and we will see if I get to ask a question shortly after rumor and innuendo is over. So that's how Thursday is going to go, Robert, because we don't have to wait till Saturday. We might, we will very well get this brought up on Thursday and we'll find out probably nothing because Tony will recline to say anything. Um, I will bring up, of course, my entry into this conversation because Chris decided to include this one line that, you know, it's Christmas morning. I'm sitting here deciding, how do I want to spend my Christmas day? He has this line. I've also never signed an NDA in my life, dot, 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 ever. Now, I don't look. There's, I know a lot of things about this business. I know more things than I could talk about for a variety of reasons. I will just say that I have heard of instances where Chris was in situations where NDAs resulted in whatever those situations were. I don't want to get into specifics, but am I wrong for, 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 because I asked Chris, what about the NDAs you make other people sign? Because do NDAs not always have to go both ways? Can you have somebody sign an NDA and then you don't have to sign an NDA? I just don't know. Is that possible? You can, you, you can, people can legally agree to, you know, you're not allowed to say anything about this, but I am for whatever reason that may be. Uh, you would get this a lot in, in business where I'm going to tell you a trade secret. I can share that trade secret with anybody because it's mine. You are not allowed to share it to anybody under the, the auspices of this document. So the fact that you've even heard wind of something like this happening and pose the question to Chris, and I'm sure Chris gave you a thoughtful, nuanced answer. 
Uh, Chris blocked me. <laughs> that was my Christmas present to myself. Uh, I was blocked by Chris Jericho on Christmas. He didn't deny it. He didn't address me. He gave me the old Tony Khan, AW all out, no answer response. I was blocked. And I, for what it, I was inundated with text messages from friends in the business yesterday, like high-fiving me, like patting me on the back, like thanking me for that tweet. And I also had an inordinate amount of them reach out after he blocked me to be like, kind of feels like he's admitting some guilt there, doesn't it? And I'm like, hey, I'm just reporting what happens here. This is what happened. I asked a question. I got blocked. Bad look for Chris. Bad look for Chris. He's a piece of shit. And I'm sure he's going to get a lot more questions about this. It's unfortunate because Chris Jericho is probably one of my top 10 all-time favorite wrestlers he's someone over the years who who kept me a fan uh a constant reinvention he's a guy you want to be able to celebrate and enjoy as a talent the actions that have occurred of late of the over the last uh, the couple of years or so specifically over the last week or so are going to call that legacy into question and i think that's sort of one of the unfortunate realities that happens in wrestling i don't know if his actions talking about the the brawl out are going to lead to anything. I don't know if the subsequent follow-up NDAs are going to lead to other rumors or things leaking out here, but it's really to Chris's best interest to just stay quiet and try to preserve your legacy as best as you can. Now, um, and I apologize because we are really short on time. I really want to have a nice discussion about All Japan, WWE, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and the Cody Rhodes stuff for what it's worth. There's actually a couple stories. We will not have time for those today. We are going to roll those over to tomorrow. So come back tomorrow. We're going to try to wrap up all the AEW stuff here today because there's just a couple more points I want to make about this. Um, with Chris responding as vociferously as he did to this particular uh, situation, uh, it does remind me of some rumor and innuendo. I'll be very, very clear about that. Some rumor and innuendo around uh, Chris that I think lines up with this, which is, you know, a lot of people wonder who leaked the Cabana Punk story to the sheets. Who's the one who said Punk asked to have Cabana fired or moved to another brand? Who would most benefit from that rumor being out there? And one name who has come up repeatedly uh, when that conversation comes up to me is Chris. Chris and Punk have never gotten along for a variety of reasons. I'm sure Chris saw somebody coming in that not only did not want to work with him, but also would take a spot that would cost him money and was probably not thrilled about that. And, you know, I don't think it makes any sense for Cabana to have this story out there and become the middle of a bunch of drama. I don't really know that the elite feel like the kinds of guys that really were wanting to do that, but it does feel like a veteran old school play to leak something like that to the press that could have been done by somebody by, like Chris Jericho. And so when you look at the shit getting stirred up right now by Chris, and you think about all the other shit that got stirred up in the past, I don't know that I should be the one having the finger pointed at them. I think the biggest shit stir in AEW just pulled his pants down and exposed himself to everybody. And I really hope fans take a long, hard look at Chris Jericho and your support for him, because I want you to think, is he doing what is best for this business that I love? And I'm not always sure that he is. And I know there are people that will disagree with me, but I, for one, 
do not. I really hope that's not the case. Um, I Like I said, Chris has to be thinking about the health and vitality of AEW, the company that he is working for, and if his actions are positively influencing that company. And it doesn't feel like what he did on Christmas has has helped anybody. The fallout from this, you're giving Stephen P. New more ammunition. You're chumming the waters going into a pay-per-view. The, the story this week should be AEW's tournament is finishing. You have a big title match that's coming up on, on Saturday. Is MJF resigning? Is he going to be gone? And instead, over a year later, all anybody is now forced to talk about is brawl out. And yep. this is why it's so frustrating to, to see the actions of a veteran like Chris. And I hope he's not at the root of what was stirring up the issues with Punk to begin with, that he would be Rumor a big man. Oh, I know. Rumor and innuendo. I'm just Rumor saying you want to hope that people are in this for financial benefit and a rising tide lifts all ships. I feel like Punk is probably clicking his heels at how happy he is to be back in WWE because you don't have to put up with this sort of drama and anarchy and it doesn't get out. It feels like he's now back working with grownups, which has to be a total just mind blowing thing for him, given when he left the company and the state of what WWE was at that time versus what he's walked back into now. Yeah, man. Uh, it is uh, it is an interesting time though over at AEW land. Um, and speaking of an interesting time over at AEW land, uh, to put a button on today's episode, let's talk about these AEW exits. Uh, two more executives leaving the company. First of all, Fightful reporting AEW Vice President of Live Events and Touring, Rafael Morphy. He's going to be leaving uh, the company after World's End. Um, I've independently been able to confirm that as well. And I've also been able to confirm this Observer report that he's going to go work for the Barclays Center, helping to organize events there. It's an executive job. He lives in New York. He doesn't have to travel. It sounds like a really good gig for Raphael. And then Dana Massey, the wife of Matt Jackson, Fightful confirming that uh, she was the AEW chief marketing and merchandising director. She's going to be uh, leaving uh, AEW very shortly, if not already. Matt confirmed the exit on Instagram stories, saying she was with the company since the beginning and that she's leaving on her own terms. The Observer stating that AEW tried to resign her, but she declined. Uh, she uh, Now, I listened to Meltzer's Observer radio that was released, I guess, late yesterday or whatever, but I actually listened to it to hear what Dave said was behind this. And from his pur purview, Dana had to watch her husband and brother-in-law get vilified and not be able to defend themselves. Uh, he says uh, that the majority of the elite voted to stay and not go to WWE, but it was too much for her. And she felt that the Bucks were never defended when they should have been defended in all the punk stuff. It was also said that punk went after her too, and she was never defended. I don't exactly know where those punk comments came from, but I am looking to see if there were. Um, and then it was conceded that there are several people that were hired early on that did not have executive experience in pro wrestling, but the locker room vibe was so harmonious and so good. People were willing to look past it just to kind of get things up and off the ground. Um, now, I will say that I have heard for a couple years that there's been some unease 
um, around Dana's position. I, I know she was making a lot of money, which is something that Tony was taking into consideration. Um, I rumored in new window had heard it was close to maybe seven figures. Um, a lot of money. Um, I also know that there were a lot of talent, very upset with the merchandising. There were lack, lack of shirts for a long time for people, the quality of what people were getting put out. They were really not happy with. There was this sting snow globe that went out earlier this month. I don't know if anybody got just Google sting snow globe, AEW. Ugh, I think they were, I think they had to cancel the orders because it was just so not good looking. They didn't want anybody to have it on their mantle. It was like a joke piece. It was not all. It was, it was not a situation where I know a lot of people were like always thrilled with the merchandising department. And like Dave is nicely saying here, she didn't have any experience as an executive in a pro wrestling company running a merchandising department. So um, again, as much as the young, young bucks and everybody want to project this, this kind of aura of everything is fine. It's on her terms and all of that. I, and again, maybe it was her call to go that way. Maybe they offered her a contract that was less than what she was getting and she didn't want to get it. I don't know, but I do know that, this between this Raphael, Kevin Sullivan, QT Marshall, it seems like they are flipping away from a lot of the people that started the company in various areas and are moving in a new direction with, uh, I guess, more experienced people in, in a variety of these roles. So I'm going to take the Raphael piece first because Raphael was one of the most experienced people in that job. He worked at WWE, he worked at TNA, he worked I worked with him in MLW and now in AEW and I think he is one of the true heroes of AEW because this is the man that scouted and secured Arthur Ashe Stadium. This is the man that scouted and secured Wembley. And putting those two shows together, those are two of the signature events that happen in the history of AEW. It is a very tough job to go find buildings throughout the country fill these buildings, configure them correctly. And with the continued decline of attendance, not only are you configuring these buildings, you're trying to fit these people on camera so that you don't see those gaps and spaces. It is a grind of a job because you are on the road. You are physically in those buildings, walking the buildings, setting up tickets, handing out comps, doing everything soup to nuts, doing the settlements at the end of the night with, with arenas. And then you're constantly negotiating with all these different buildings. I've been on the other side of negotiations with Raphael, not in a contentious way, just in a, Hey, we're signing up a, a show that he happens to be working on. He is a, a brilliant man when it comes to how to set up a wrestling show, getting an opportunity at the Barclays center where you're, you're anchored, your home makes a lot of sense. It's shocking that AEW would would let him leave given his expertise and, and how hands-on he has been. There are not a ton of people out there that really can handle the ticketing and routing and all of that, but I'm sure they will find somebody qualified or married to a buck to do it. Uh, the other Time, piece... Be, 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 yep. before, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know if you were still talking about Rafa. Or you want to I was. I wanted to say the, the other piece okay. about that is Raphael is also uh, the guy who helps Jim Ross on the road a lot. They've been friends for years. Mm. Uh, he's, you know, they ride together. I don't know what that means for, for Jim Ross going forward when he's going to be on there again. I don't know anything. I just know that, you know, Raphael has always been, uh, a, a, an assistant for, for, for JR on the road unofficially. So hopefully this doesn't mean that Jim Ross is going to be stepping back from the road, but that's what popped into my mind. An interesting observation. I just want to interject and say, whether it's warranted or not, I know a lot of people were blaming Roth 
for uh, booking bigger venues than the company could fill because there's been a refrain of people saying, you know, why don't you just book three to 5,000 person venues? It looks better on TV to have full venues as opposed to yeah. these one third filled 10,000 person venues. I have no idea if that played into the decision for him to part ways. But, you know, again, when I look at the, the areas where people seem to be nitpicky, merchandise isn't that great. Why are we playing these, these oversized arenas? These are, these are maybe uh, problems that Tony's going to be taking a more aggressive stance towards. I think part of it is Raphael knows, you know, he, again, he worked with TNA. He knows all the relationships with smaller buildings and those smaller venues do look a lot better on TV. And I've been critical of the buildings they've booked, but at the end of the day, I have to assume that AEW is run a lot like WWE where you do what the head of the company says. And if Tony says, I want big arenas, I want the perception that we are a major global powerhouse. I don't want us going into a city that has a big, a big arena and then running a smaller building. So sometimes if you're Raphael or whoever it is, you have to follow the orders of the boss. And if you're raising too much of an issue, you're not going to be there that much longer. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, we got to put a button in it for today. Uh, we don't have time for Billy the NWA. We don't have a bunch of time for a lot of stuff, but we will have an oversized episode tomorrow with a bunch of huge news i really want to make sure to give the tanahashi news the all japan wwe nxt news the proper time it deserves so come on back tomorrow um we will uh we'll be back yeah go to the, if you like the show uh you can of course watch us uh live noon eastern monday through friday unless it's a holiday i don't know if we'll be on next monday we got to figure that out probably not i'm guessing i'm gonna be wanting to sleep in but we'll figure it out i'm bringing this up on the air i have no idea why it's fine Okay. Hey, whatever. look, we're, well, we're 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 doing a live show tomorrow. It's my birthday, uh, and there's no place I would rather be on my birthday than with all of you, uh, talking rumor and innuendo. Uh, so on on behalf of the Boxing Day enthusiast Nick Hausman, I'm Robert Carpolis. Best of luck in your future endeavors. <laughs>